We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nick's Film School's X's and O's podcast live stream situation. We're thrilled to have you all here. Thank you for joining. I am joined by, you might know him as DJ. DJ might know himself as David John. But DJ really stands for Detail Junkie, as we know. He is the Detail Junkie, the doctor of jump shots. We can come up with some other DJ plays on dj but he is the great dj zulo how are you sir good to have i'm you. good a doctor of jump shots i like that i am i'm definitely stealing that that is gonna be uh that's gonna stick i think so I, I appreciate the moniker and things are things are good you know we got a game to um that's sort of counted that we can talk about um uh the you know there's been a lot of uh other dicks uh stuff going on that's strictly hoops which has been fun after an off season that where the you know the u.s team underwhelmed and there was a lot of off the court stuff that was just a little nauseating so to have some basketball to break down talk about dissect overanalyze underanalyze it's it's been good but I like, i'd love the hoops back on and uh season of the season is around the corner it is it's great um yeah it's uh <laughs> a lot going on in the world. I will say like eh, on a personal note, it's a, it's a bit of a tough time to talk hoops and, and the distraction is welcome uh, for me, certainly to talk about it with you and really dive in like we do to the details and take my mind off other things on a personal level. Uh, tough times, not going to sugarcoat it. Um, anybody listening knows that like I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm proud. I'm a proud Jewish person. Um, what's going on in Israel has been, um, as a people, we're we're hurting, we're grieving, we're we're scared. Um, so I do want to mention that at the outset. I know I'm sure a lot of our listeners are feeling the way that that I'm feeling, and everyone, anyone who is feeling that way and feels isolated or alone or struggling should feel free to reach out. Um, at any time, it's a it's a it's a beautiful community we have here. It's one that is connected through basketball, but we can connect in other ways too. So, um, I did want to say that at the outset. It's uh, this is a distraction for me, and I'm excited to dive in. But certainly, my mind is uh, is elsewhere at the moment. And um, 
Yeah. And I will say before, you know, we, uh, you know, I've been, I've, I've been thinking about you and I, I did, I couldn't help but think when I saw your, your breakdowns uh, uh, regarding the first preseason game, part of me was like, yeah, this is, I'm glad he's diving in. Uh, yeah, like, man, I, 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 I was thinking like, you know, this is probably, you know, as a welcome distraction as you can probably ask for in a, yeah, man, in a situation been, as tough as it is. It's so, been 24 seven news cycle for us. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, I'm sure. And, yeah, all over social media, which is a terrible thing to be on during world crises. Um, it's a good, the great thing to be on for basketball, and that's what I have mm-hmm. an account for. Right, uh, you find yourself scrolling along with the news in the larger world, and it's not nearly as positive an experience. Um, I will say, um, you know, again, for people that are listening, and thank, thankfully, it's a, it's a large community, and, and we do have a lot of listeners and, and loyal, loyal uh, followers, patrons, etc. Uh, I follow a lot of you too. <laughs> so um, just have, try to have uh, compassion um, in terms of what you put on your timelines, in terms of what you like, because those come up too, thanks to the old algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, just be, try to be sensitive. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that, that I certainly don't want to see that, that, uh, even it's not even about the views and like what 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 people believe and what they don't believe, but just like be sensitive that there are people that are struggling at the moment to deal with all this. Um, think about what you're putting out there. Um, I think it would go a long way. Um, I don't want to speak about this anymore. Let's move on to ball. Mm-hmm. But I did just kind of want to mention it because I know there are people out there that are certainly feeling like me. And yeah, well, I'm happy uh, to be doing this with you right now. Thanks, DJ. Sure. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. All right, well. I guess let's hit off with with some chats. Uh, what are people What are people thinking about going into preseason game number one? Where Where are we at? Hit it, DJ. All right. So this is from Busy. Thank you for the first chat to kick us off. And his comment is: Play style wise, what is something different you want to see the Knicks do this year? Um, yeah, I don't want to uh, steal your thunder, uh, Benji, because you you had a, a great response regarding some actions the, the Knicks ran in that free uh, first preseason game regarding some split action stuff to get some more versatility into their offense. Um, I'll let you sort of expand on that, but that was probably the one thing that I like to um, to see. We all know that the offense performed as well as you can you can hope for in the regular season, but in the in the playoffs, as we've talked about at nauseum, it they really bogged down and didn't have that sort of plan B, plan C to to go to. And the versatility movement, um getting other uh ancillary pieces involved more often in the action will certainly help. And then just seeing um, you know, certain players increase skills that or just tendencies that will help the offense be more versatile. Um, I had, I had put out a tweet earlier regarding Mitch and the fact that, you know, he is so dominant gathering offensive rebounds, but not great at recognizing when to pass that ball out and when to go up for um, a layup or a dunk attempt. And he did have one play in the preseason where he grabbed the ball off a of Grimes mid-range miss found Grimes again, who had relocated over the top of the key for an open three point shot, which was one play who knows if that's going to be a tendency that he's going to continue through the, um, the season. But it was nice to see a thing that I had been sort of keep an eye on uh, to maybe give this offense another element, um, whether or not that's, that's certainly not a play style thing, but as certainly a tendency, to, uh, another element an individual player could bring to the game to sort of move this offense and bring it to a, a, a different level. So what about you? Yeah, it's well said. Play style wise, um, look, I think it's going to be largely the same. Uh, 
both because the coach is who he is and because uh, largely worked last season. Um, so I, I do think they're going to double down on their style. So if you're expecting them to turn into uh, the Sacramento Kings this year uh, to start running and gunning and and playing through the elbows, uh, they're, they're, it's not going to happen. It, and, and if you watch the first five, six minutes of that first quarter, it was all the plays we've seen the Knicks run a gazillion times. They're kind of opening script that they go to various horn sets, the various ways to get Jalen Brunson into pick and roll, uh, the various ways they, they pivot into, uh, you know, Randall screens and switches and ISOs. I mean, it was all the stuff that we've seen. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, I think there's still room to add that variability. I think there's still room to add a little bit of movement. We did see some signs of it, especially with this kind of the second unit. Uh, although Jericho might clock things up when he's playing the four, but generally like, a bit more uh, nuance, a bit more spontaneity. Um, I think that's all good. Um, but I, I, as much as I, I could go on and on about like kind of the play style I want to see, I, I think ultimately it's going to be largely the same play style on both sides of the ball. Um, it's, we're going to see a lot of the same. So let me just jump in real quick. Yeah, what's up? And let you know that there are so many Sims at the four questions. And I'll I'm summarize, ready. I'll summarize it with one. It's a super chat from Andrew P. Uh, how to generate enough offense with Sims at the four? That there's legit like seven questions or seven <laughs> versions of the same question that are All right. why why let, is this entering my life? Let, let me go. Let me go first, please. Can everybody yeah. relax? Relax. 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 Josh Hart didn't play. Josh Hart didn't play. Tibbs is going to play a nine-man rotation. That's what was successful last year. That's what he's going to go with. It's basically, to start, I believe, going to be Dante DiVincenzo replacing Obi Toppin in terms of just like the rotation. I don't think Jericho Sims in game one is going to get significant minutes, uh, barring injury. I don't think it's harmful to give it a look, to experiment with it, to see how it goes in the preseason when one of your guys isn't playing. Um, I think everyone needs to take a deep breath. If we see it in game one of the regular season, we can we can kind of go crazy. I, I really don't think this is going to be a feature to begin the season. That All that said, they are trying some very smart things with Jericho with the four. And it worked a little bit in certain parts of that game. What they're going to do is Jericho is going to play as the outlet in the weak side. When inevitably the guy guarding Jericho Sims crashes into the paint to cut off anything else and clog up the paint because Jericho can't shoot. They're going to throw the ball to Jericho and whoever is with Jericho on the strong side has to come around Jericho and try to utilize the space around his screen because there's no defender there. They tried it several times. It worked a couple of times. I can think of one quickly three where it worked. It requires really good connection between the guy on the strong side who's coming around the ball and Sims. And I think it was lacking in certain instances where they can, they can perfect it. And that only is going to happen through reps. Now you could say the reps aren't worthwhile because we should never, ever play Jericho Sims at the four. And maybe it, let's say somebody is injured in the rotation, then maybe do should be taking those minutes, whatever. I hear that. And at the same time, I think there are going to be times where there's a lot of size on the floor and where the Knicks don't have a lot of size, where it's not the craziest thing ever to play Jericho Sims at the four. They, in fact, they did it last year um, and it didn't always work. And sometimes it was worse than others. But like, I, I don't think it's crazy. I don't mind them working on it. 
I don't think it's a crazy idea to ever go to in the regular season. And I also, at the end of the day, don't think to start the season, we're going to see a lot of it. So I think everyone needs to take a deep breath. How to generate offense, Andrew, to your question, though, and thank you for the contribution. That's how you do it, is you try to utilize the space behind Jericho Sims. And I think that they just need to get a little bit crisper at it um, in order to really get the looks that they want to get. Yeah. And with that said, you're you're probably, you're not going to generate enough offense to do it in an extended period. Um, the question is, can you, are you gaining enough on the defensive end? Because I feel like I've seen enough of Jericho where I feel like on, on that end, he moves his feet really well. He sure does. And clearly yeah. he's, he's a tremendous defensive rebounder. So there are certain advantages you're going to gain on the defensive side. So can you just be below average on the offensive end. And if you're doing it in spurts, matchup dependent, obviously it's not something you're going to go to for a long period of time. Maybe you don't get killed in those minutes because frankly, there's going to be a time where he's going to be needed to play at the four because what are the odds that Randall and Hart are all going to, are both going to be healthy every game? And you know, is there going to be a situation where he's just going to be out there? Likely yes. And then we haven't seen enough of, at least me personally, RJ at the four to where I, I feel you know, I probably feel more comfortable with that option, but I don't necessarily feel good about it. Um, I don't know if his rebounding and aggression and physicality right now, he's proven that part to me to be able to, to be a viable option at the four in a way that I'm comfortable with. Not to say he can't do it because I think he probably can. And physically, I don't think he's in a, you know, obviously lengthwise, he's at a deficit, but I don't think strengthwise. And certainly I think that athletically he can hit, he can hold his own, but you know, it's going to be something that they're going to probably go to um, at some points. And I feel like, what, you know, things that you're saying to sort of utilize his ability to, I think his ball handling is probably a little underrated. And I think he's a decent enough passer where you can sort of do some things um, with him to, to utilize some skills that he does have. And if he's in a crash and he's going to be a good defensive player, maybe you're, maybe you're okay. And, and like we're saying, it's, it's going to be in a, you know, for spurts, because if this is a, you know, a long-term answer, then, Things have gone awry and they got bigger problems if that's the case. Yeah, let me just say two other things on it. One, I think playing him with Hartenstein as opposed to Mitch is the way to go. Not that I think Hartenstein's ever going to stretch defenses because I'm, I'm kind of out on that. I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I'm not seeing the stretch five uh, rumors, um, the allegations as they were. I don't. I just don't think. But, but he spreads the floor in other ways, right? Mm -hmm. He can pass from the high post. He's a good DHO guy. And then Sims can kind of occupy the space underneath a little bit and do what he does in terms of dunking the basketball. Um, which also helps. And then you got to look, if you have two bigs out there and Jericho Sims being the crazy athlete that he is, you got to win the offensive glass, which the Knicks do a good job mm -hmm. of anyway. But you add another center like that. Well, you, to make up for some of the lack of shooting and spacing, you got to just destroy the offensive glass. Uh, and that's on him to kind of to take advantage of. Um, and then defensively, what's funny about Jericho, and I wonder if this is also on Tibbs' mind. I, 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 he's struggled a bit in drop at times. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think he, uh, both because he's just not that tall. Um, and I think he's not quick off the ground, although he's, he's explosive. Right. He's not like, uh, he's not a quick leaper. Like if he, I feel like there's enough load time necessary to where it just takes him out of a play every now and then. Right. And he's not, uh, he's yeah. not long for a drop center. Like he's just not, right. no, he's, he's not. like pretty, pretty average height. So like, I, I think what we've seen is his best skill might be his switchability and his versatility. And I think him playing the four really allows him to kind of explore that. Um, I just, I have trouble getting worked up about a preseason experiment. Uh, you know, it's never hurts to kind of move guys around, learn new positions, figure it out on the fly. 
Especially because, like, maybe had I don't know how many minutes did RJ play in that game? Oh, not not a ton. A like um, fifteen minutes. He played fifteen minutes. So if it, yeah. it, maybe Tibbs, it, he only was supposed to play fifteen minutes that game. Like there was no time for him mm-hmm. to play the four. So like, right. everyone just needs to take a deep breath. Everyone needs to take a deep breath. I don't think we need to like after one preseason game start getting on the coach already. Like let's relax. I don't think it's going to be the opening day rotation. I think it's worth a look. I think there's some good things they can explore. I think there's some things about Jericho you can find out. Relax. Thanks, Andrew. But Andrew, not to say that you're not relaxing. You asked you asked a technical question. But Andrew, Andrew was uh, Andrew Claudio was was aggregating all of the Jericho Sims panic. So I'm just <laughs> responding to that. All right, Eric Ward. Okay. Eric, thanks for the chat. I think the best version of this team has RJ averaging six plus assists and Grimes getting at least 15 shot attempts. Spicy. Your thoughts, DJ? Um, yeah. So if RJ is averaging six plus assists, um, cause I, I don't think there's going to be a, a big usage spike for him this season, unless, you know, there's injuries, but he's going to be your third option. So if he's at six assists, first of all, I think, I think that's a little rich, even if it's sort of the passing leap that he made during the playoffs and some reads last, uh, that first preseason games that, that he made, um, that I know, you know, you may note of. If this is something that he's going to continue uh, through the season, he's you know, he's finding shooters and he's making the right read on that um, that lob to Mitch, or um, when he's you know, he's really good at disguising his layup attempts and his and his lob attempts. He's the best. I think he's the best on the Knicks uh, at doing that. Uh, I still think he'll be short of the six assist number because I just think that I don't think he can. He's necessarily going to be at that uh, usage number. But if he's at you know, he, he's averaging, maybe he's averaging an, an extra assist or two a game and he's at four and a half, five and the reads are just crisper and he's causing that um, the defense to move in a way to maybe he's getting a little more hockey assist. I mean, if he's generating more offense with his drives, which we know is a real weapon and he's just making the right reads. And as Tibbs has said multiple, I mean, dozens of times, you know, let the the game dictate how, what you're going to do. If he can just let, let the game dictate his, his passing reads and he continues to do that. And there are enough signs now where I just, I think this might be a legitimate leap that he's made in that area. Then even if he's not averaging six assists, he's still going to generate, help generate uh, this team more offense. Even if his finishing never really makes a big jump. If he can just cut down on some of the bad attempts and make some of those passing reads with more regularity and continue that, it's going to be a really positive outcome for this team. And then Grimes at 15 points. I mean, that's another one where 15 man, shot attempts. That's a lot of shot attempts to get 15 yeah. points on a team where he's going to, he's your no, no, fourth, the, the question. Option. Sorry, dears. The, the question is 15, 15 shot. shot attempts. Excuse me. 15 shot attempts. Um, <sighs> so to get 15, what, what do you what, get? The average, the average eight and a half last year. He's not getting that's a, a lot. That's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not happening. No, <laughs> now, I mean, lo- go ahead. I, was, I mean, the questions, I guess, in theory, right? Like, I, I think yeah. realistically, there's no way he's going to shoot 15 shots a game. I think he can get to 10, maybe, um, depending on his minutes, which will be interesting to see. Um, last year, he averaged 30 minutes a night. I don't know if he's getting to 30 minutes a night this year with the, with the addition of DiVincenzo. I hope he does, but I don't know if he is. Um, so it's a theoretical question, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'll take four assists from RJ. I agree with Eric 
to the extent that I think the best version of the Knicks has RJ being more pass happy and Grimes getting more shots. That I fully endorse and agree with. Um, you think about the shot, the, the three-point um, attempt disparity between Julius Randle and Quentin Grimes. And could we distribute some of Julius Randle's threes to Quentin Grimes? Right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's um, um, Those are a lot of self-created looks that Randle's getting. Yes and no. He shoots a lot. I mean, there. Uh, yes, there. I should. Yes, he does self-create a lot of them. He also yeah. takes a lot on the first pass on the wing, where he mm. just shoots it. Where right. if he just made the extra pass to Grimes in the corner, and as we've we've mentioned a lot, Grimes is pretty much contest contest proof in that left corner. Like all you gotta do is throw him the ball, and mm-hmm. let's assume that he matches last year. What was he? Thirty-seven, thirty-eight percent. He's a better shooter than yeah. Julius Randle. Like, can we can we reallocate some of the Julius Randle wing threes to Quentin Grimes corner threes? I think that's very okay. possible. I I agree with you. Now I will just push back in in this regard. Is he a better catch and shoot shooter than Randall? Yes. I'm as high as I am on on Grimes. I'm not seeing yet the diversity in shot making. I agree. To that level that Randall has already shown. No, Grant for sure. 34% is it's not a great number, but these are high difficulty attempts. And if he was if he had Grimes a shot diet, I imagine it would be in the upper 30s you know, maybe touching 40% in terms of the percentage. So with that being said, I just don't, where's the extra, if you wanted to give Grimes three or four extra looks from three and he's not really shown yet. And this is something where, you know, he's 23 is just, you know, he's third season. It can all happen in terms of like getting more versatility, but he's going to have to get those looks created for him at this point, unless there is a leap that we have to just see play out. Um, I'm a little skeptical that, we're going to be able to get that many more looks from from Grimes um, with the current roster, the way it's set up. I just don't, I don't see it. You know, I don't. They're not going to give him a lot of on ball reps. You know, there's not going to be a lot of pick and roll opportunities off the the movement stuff is interesting because, you know, that's been sort of a topic late in this off season. Um, but you know, I just want to see him see it to believe it. You know, I don't know if he's got movement shooting going to his left, going to his right because he's a right pocket shooter. Maybe there's something there, and he's shown a little bit in the DHO with Randall, where he's coming out of the left corner, uh, where he's shown the ability to make shots going to his right. So, not to say this can't be there or isn't going to be there, but I just I, I kind of need to see it. And if it's not there yet, then I just don't see the attempts really rising that that much personally. I don't. I don't see it happening either. I. I. I, yeah. I guess I agree, though, that I would like to see some redistribution of shots in mm-hmm. Grimes' direction. GMAC makes a great point that Jokic averaged under just under 15 shot attempts last season. So the idea of Grimes averaging 15 shot attempts is 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 really unlikely. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I think a slight increase. And in, I. I think where it comes from, again, I don't think it requires much self creation. I really just think it requires like more often throwing that ball from the wing to the corner. Like really mm-hmm. that simple, because if you hit him in the pocket on that left corner, he can rise and fire over anybody. And it's a pretty good look. It's a You're pretty right. and good do look. You, and do you think he got a little drive happy in terms of like pump fake go versus just catching? Sometimes, it, sometimes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like, sometimes. Cause, you, Cause I think you're hundred percent right with that release point. You know, I, you're not going to really affect that shot from that, that spot. Especially so because they often opposing point guards are often guarding him because you put a wing yeah. on Brunson, you put a wing on RJ. So there's there's small guys often guarding him in that corner. He rises above them. Um, mm-hmm. 
And it just sometimes takes that pass. And yeah, sometimes instead of taking that drive, that baseline drive, which he's still, although he's blown by guys, there's still inconsistency in terms of result and output. Just put it up, man. Just put it up. Because mm-hmm. I think that left corner, we know he was one of the league leaders in terms of percentage, in terms of attempts from that left corner. He's a beast. So I think yep. that's where it would kind of come from. It's funny. We There were a lot of talks about, there was a lot of talk about Grimes pin downs. They're going to run more offense for him. They, let me tell you guys, they did not run one action for Quentin Grimes uh, in, that, in that game. In fact, if you watch the first, again, that first kind of script that they run, that the first like four or five minutes of that game where New York actually played very well and Brunson scored at will and Randall made some nice plays, I think Grimes touched the ball twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, and that was with Randall not really being heavily involved. Aggressive. In that really yeah. So, it's going to be, look, yeah. he's going to be an afterthought in this offense. He's going to be a spacer. Yeah. He's going to be a spacer. Um, and that's okay. A lot of teams have spacers when they have a lot of guys that like to have the ball. Um, it's going to be difficult for him to find on ball opportunities unless he plays a little bit more with the second unit. Um, and that's, I think, okay. I'd like to see again, a bit more just so he can develop more of a game, but like, I still, I do think just throwing that ball to the corner more often, will get him a couple more shots a game. All right, let's get the next question up. Oh, right, DP, DP. Thank you for, uh, for the question guys. Who do you think will be the most common closing lineup? Well, I think this is uh, um, Macri actually had a there was that kind of went around where he posted his closing, most likely closing lineup. And, you know, right off the bat, I guess I would just say this. I started I remember I respond to that and I really I really thought Hartenstein was going to get the maybe not a great majority, but the majority of the minutes at the center position in terms of the closing lineup. The way Mitch looked in that first preseason game and just kind of seeing him again and his physicality, you know, I'm kind of wavering a little bit on that. Um, but I'll just say, I think Hartenstein will probably get more of the minutes at the center. And then obviously mm-hmm. you're going to get, you're going to get Brunson. You're going to get um, Julius. Right. You know, I just, two, I think there Hart- are two, two locks. And I think the one you're going to say now is like a half a lock. Hart. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it just feels like he's, he's going to be in there and then it's, you know, it's quickly it's DiVincenzo. I, I would, you know, I think quickly he's probably got the, the leg up right now. If I had to, if I had to kind of pin me down right now, um, by Hart, Brunson, Randall, and then one of the centers just seems, and then you can kind of, you can kind of play with the the rest of it. Do you have a, well, on the center spot, do you have a do you have a feeling either way, or are you sort of like going to let this play? out? I agree. I think I think Hartenstein gets them gets most of it. Um, and I think um, a lot of that has to do with free throw shooting, mm-hmm. um, and the I, I think when games come to crunch time, the ability to just ignore Mitch underneath really clogs up the offense. And I think not that Hartenstein provides. Again, the spacing, but just the, his different the ways he can, the ways he can hurt you from other spots on the floor. Yeah, he's like a decent outlet. Yeah, he's an outlet too. Like some there are times exactly. where a guy will get trapped and he'll kind of move into the short mid range and he can he catch a ball, maybe make a floater or make an extra. Exactly. You know, he just he has good awareness in terms of when he's needed uh, to sort of like finds that little floater, again. finds the high yeah. post. Yeah, I, I don't it think helps. I don't think it's a huge drop off defensively. Um, the slight athleticism, I'm not slight. It's a pretty large athletic athleticism drop off, but like Hartenstein's pretty damn good in drop. Um, yeah. He does a really good job down there. Uh, so like, I, I don't think you're losing a ton. Hartenstein became an excellent offensive rebounder last season. Um, you know, it's not, he's not Mitch, but he's darn good at it. And 
I do think he'll get the majority of the closing minutes. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, it's Brunson and Randall are the locks. I think Josh Hart's like half a lock. Um, you need a shooter, right? I mean, it just feels like... So, like, I think the right answer is quickly. I think the right answer yeah. is quickly. And I think my favorite answer, or the one that I uh, wouldn't surprise me, is actually Grimes. Mm. But I think he's going to have to... He's going to have to... Cut. It's re- going to be really important for Quentin Grimes to come out well this season. Yep. Because I've said it before, like, it's going to be a competition. It's going to be a competition for minutes. Who closes? Who's like, I think he's going to start. I think the whole year he's going to start. Where you go from there, who comes back in at the end of the game is going to be based on a competition between he, DiVincenzo, Barrett, mm-hmm. and quickly. Yep. Um, and I do think DiVincenzo absolutely might finish some games for you, depending if he's having a good shooting night. Wouldn't surprise me. I just think Grimes gives you the spacer that you want out there with those guys and the point of attack defense, because I I do think he is better than anyone else on the roster at the point of attack. I do, including Josh Hart, who I think is more valuable in the gaps and helping than he is on the, at the point of attack. That's how I feel. Well, it'll be interesting to see quickly this year. Has he added enough strength to be able to hold up a little more point of attack? Because mm-hmm. that'll just add, you know, because he's his, he's a fantastic off the ball defender and he's really good at um, going over screens, chasing rear contests. But there are times where his his lack of length and physicality and strength is just, it's a lot for him sometimes. So has he added enough strength where he can hold up a little more at the point of attack, which has been, if you're going to sort of, you know, criticize his defense on any level. That's sort of where you want to see the growth. Yep. hundred percent. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and it's, yeah, it'll be, I'm, it's going to be fascinating how he divvies up these minutes. I can't wait to see it. Um, once we get, we'll see it probably my last preseason game and we'll see what the mm-hmm. rotation is. And, uh, it should be interesting. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Manny Campos, what's up, Manny? Do you see Tibbs staggering Randall and Brunson at all this year? Seems like it would benefit both to have them split time as the offensive hub. What a great question. What a great question, Manny. DJ, want to take it? So do I see Tibbs doing it? I I don't um, see him doing it. I certainly see the advantages behind the idea. It makes a lot of sense. And it was one of the playoff games during the, in the Cavs series. I forgot the actual was rafter. Randall came back from the ankle injury where he got an early blow. And it was one of those things where he came back and he had the second unit with him and it just felt like a more balanced rotation. It just made a lot of sense as you watched it sort of play out. Uh, I would love to see it. Um, I think you can, I, I just, I, I think it's a right now. I don't necessarily think unless, you know, not to say RJ can't be the, the guy that be your offensive sort of engine on that second unit. It is something we need to see in the regular season on a consistent basis to me, for me to feel comfortable uh, with that. So I think there, this team could use a little more staggering uh, between Randall and Brunson, but I, the first part of that question, I mean, there's no evidence to suggest that he's going to do that. So I would, I would answer that as a um, unlikely, I guess Um, though, the question is great because I I just, I think it really would um, allow not only them to sort of like maybe open up some space between, you know, give them, you know, Brunson another spacer or Randall a little more freedom. I think it, I think it just would balance out the rotation a little more, give this team a little more, um, uh, just a little more well-rounded in terms of like where you're, uh, you know, if you're defending this roster, but I just don't see any indication that Tibbs is going to go down that route right now. It's interesting because I, I don't really think I need to see like a Julius Randall led second unit. Like I think one of the reasons this team has thrived over the last three years is because when like the, Mm. Right, we've had we've had kind of two identities throughout the Tibbs years, right? You have like the first the starting unit identity, and then you have the second unit identity, and like the quickly led Derek Rose for a time as well was included. Mm -hmm. Now Josh Hart is going to be in that equation, like the kind of more spontaneous, free flowing second unit. Honestly, with Brunson too, I think it interrupts that flow, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the Knicks have been largely successful with the quickly led second units that are a bit more run and gun. And I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't really see it because as, as DJ correctly says, it's not something that we've done a lot, although in the playoffs, because Brunson was their only source of offense, he, he didn't sit much at all and would play with the second unit a lot. Um, so I, I, I push back a little bit. Like I, I, I'm fine with, let's say quickly DDV Hart RJ Hartenstein. Like I'm cool with that as a second unit. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I will say is that like Randall, I think often when he plays full quarters tires at the end of quarters, I would look at like taking him out a bit earlier. If you're going to play Brunson, the full first quarter, like they don't need to come out and come in at the same time. Like you're going to have some lineups where only one is in there, but I don't think you want to build your second unit around either of them, at least not yet. Like I want to give that second unit a chance to thrive because it's been such a, such a successful story for this team since tips came in. Yeah. And you're, you're right about the identity too. And with heart with a full season, um, even though you've lost um, Obi's transition ability, this team still should be able to have more of a pace, more of a, just a different look. And I, I didn't, when you 
initially, you know, started making a point, it, 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 it made, it made complete sense. So yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think this, to give this second unit a chance to sort of build their identity, um, hard full season, get DDV into the mix. And, uh, let's see this team could, you know, there's maybe you don't have your traditional offensive hub, but there's, there's enough offensive versatility where you can make it work. And if they're, uh, you know, defensively, I think they should be fantastic. And I think their ability to get moving up and down the court should add enough versatility. So yeah, I agree with you. It's a good point. All right. Cheers to them. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, Thank you for the super chat. RJ's ideal role on this team and how many minutes? Um, We've kind of like talked about this a little bit. So Benji, why don't you take the the question, RJ's ideal role and um, how many Mm. minutes does that entail? Okay. RJ's ideal role, I think. So this is, is maybe RJ to for him to blossom. I presume this is or the ideal role for uh, this team. I think on this, this team, team I think it's team. Uh, it could be could be read either way. Ambiguous yeah. from Jason. We could answer it both ways. Um, okay. And it might be the same answer for me. Uh, I think uh, I think it's I think it'll be hybrid. I think on the first unit, it's going to be what we've seen. He's going to be he's going to get a series of pistol actions run for him tonight. Pistol, pistol pitch, uh, the various actions they run for him coming off of that side, um, and be a run those well, be a willing passer, as we've said, as I said a million times, cut down on the straight line, lefty drives, use your counters, get to the line, make free throws. Like I thought he played a very nice game in uh, the first preseason game. I know he didn't make shots, but like I liked how he played. And he's going to have to make catch and shoot threes because Brunson and Randall create a lot of them. So he's going to have to make some. Uh, and then I think defensively, I really expect to see a bit of a step up from last season. Like uh, he's never going to be like a lockdown defender, but he should be with his size um, and his strength. He should be a at least a force to be reckoned with on the wing. He's got a rebound um, and he's got to be tough down there. Now, where the hybrid comes is I, I, I do assume that he's going to get time with the second unit. And there, I think he could take a little bit more of the responsibility, get out and transition more um, with that unit, um, play in the post a bit more because he'll be sliding down to the four against smaller backup units. Um, so I think it'll be a bit of a hybrid. And, and the post ups will come against the first unit too. Again, as we said, a lot of the best wing defenders are going to guard Brunson. And that leaves RJ sometimes with a mismatch like against Cleveland. So. All of those things. Like it's a very hybrid flu- fluid situation for RJ because he's going to be playing in different lineups where he's going to be asked to do different things. Um, in terms of how many minutes between, I don't know, uh, between 28 and 30. Mm. What do you think? So, yeah, I, so the minutes seem a little low for me, um, but it's just a math game, right? I mean, it just, yeah. um, 30 and 32. Yeah, maybe maybe it gets up to thirty two, but you're right. It's it's probably not going to be much more than that. Um, I agree with you on the on the role, um, uh, uh, you know, that he's going to play on this team uh, defensively. You, you talked about that. You know, I didn't see a lot on that that first preseason season game that made me feel great about it. Um, lost a few uh, guys back door. Didn't stay attached. I thought re- you know well enough. Um, he has to be good on that end and. You can't have a really good defensive unit despite having Grimes and and Mitch with three poor defenders in your starting lineup. It just 
you can't, I mean, he's a uh, Mitch is not Gobert. He's a great, he's a great defender, but he is not he, as much as I love him. He's not at that level. Um, I think Grimes no, we got to chill on the, we got to chill on the all defense guy. We got to chill on the all defense player of the year. Uh, he's yeah. not, he's not, he's not, I he's love not him. The, he's, he's, he's not, not there. No. Um, but he's, he's so he, he's really good. He does clean up a lot. Uh, I think he's fantastic in drop. Um, generally speaking, but you know, he's not a, he's not a, he's not that level of center where you can just have several poor uh, defensive players on your roster, on your uh, starting lineup and, and function at a level where if you are going to want to win around in the playoffs and move on and you got to have more versatility. And I, I just think that, you know, for RJ, he has to, he just has, there's no reason for him to not be decent on that end. And for the life of me, it was, a, I, I couldn't, figure it out is probably the biggest question and conundrum of the entire year last year, just how bad he was defensively up into the playoffs where I thought he was pretty decent, especially mm-hmm. against Garland uh, when mm-hmm. he was matched up. I thought he held up pretty well. And, and frankly, I think he's held up well when he's had, you know, I, you know, he's had to guard John Morant on occasions. I feel like those matchups, he's actually pretty decent because he has a certain objective and it's very clear what he has to do. And it's, it's also like the guys that run a gazillion pick and rolls, like it's almost like what you have to do is you have to get around the pick with some decent speed and then you just got to follow him. And he's got right, size yeah. and length to do that. Right. It's like, it's not as much like John Morant can isolate, but he's generally going to run how many pick and rolls a night, like right. Garland too. Like they're, they're pick and roll players. They're not going to necessarily try to break down RJ one-on-one in the same way. So I, I think it kind of shows up there too. You know what I mean? I agree with you. And, and when he's playing off the ball, it's when he's, and he's running around, he's chasing guys, you know, closing side out, side, closing, mm-hmm. closing out where his technique is just, you know, between him and Brunson, you know, I, you could put together a, a, a pretty grotesque mixtape of their <laughs> closeouts and Randall too. I mean, the, the starting lineup in terms of that specific um, uh, aspect to defense is, is, is really bad. And it's, it's a uh, quite frankly for them to be, you know, I know they were like an average defense in terms of the numbers last year, a little better once Hart came on, but to, for them to be even in that realm and, and do it play as well as they did defensively in the playoffs with sort of the deficiencies that are just kind of baked into this roster is a testament to some, you know, quickly and Grimes and uh, Mitch Hartenstein, obviously, um, you know, the head coach who does a great job, but they need to, they need RJ to be yeah a discipline scheme a scheme that that everybody understands and yeah it's, it's and they play it season. really well I mean it just yeah that's the thing you like when you talk about Tibbs and this will be a quick little like uh, um, rant here but you know in terms of like what you want as a head coach I get it here certain things that are just gonna leave you wanting more and he might not be the guy that's gonna get this team to where they ultimately want to be and where the you know every fan wants them to be. But in terms of their preparedness and how good he is on the defensive end, I mean, there are just there's probably five or six coaches that I would say are better in terms of preparing, and maybe three or four that are better in terms of uh, scheming a defensive roster. Um, so you know, he's been really you know you see it with what what they have and what he's working with. He's got good defensive players, but he he also has some guys that aren't renowned defenders and for them to to do as well as they do on that end is a testament to their head coach. Yeah, no, he definitely plays a part. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's nuanced because I think he is, he's, he's really good at building a base defense and then disciplining it. So like they, they can do it in their sleep. They know it. They give up the shots that they generally want to give up. Uh, they don't give up the rim. 
Um, that's what they do. And it's just, he's not a versatile schemer mm-hmm. at all. Um, I mean, in some ways, I think he's changed that. I, I shouldn't, you know, I, I was impressed last year because I thought, I thought Hartenstein started playing more aggressively in pick and roll as the year went on. Tibbs kind of figured out that you could be a bit more aggressive with him at the level. Mm-hmm. Um, he experimented with some two on the ball stuff at times. It's generally going to be the same kind of strong side overloading scheme that he's been running since he was in Chicago. Um, and I think it overall works. It gives you a really high floor as a mm-hmm. defensive team. And then, you know, I think like it's going to require for them to get like top 10, which I think is really important for them this year. Cause I, I, you know, I, I'm skeptical that they're going to be third in offense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would love for them to be like, I think it's possible for this team to be like around 10th in both offense and defense. And that's a really good result, but I think it's going to require RJ Brunson to some extent to get better. I, I think there are ways that he can be better. RJ for sure, Randall for sure, because he is at times a tremendous weak point on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the second unit will be fine defensively. So yeah. it, it kind of comes down to all that. There he is, Kevin Danishevsky. He asks, Hey guys, where do you think IQ's ceiling lies? Is it crazy to say that he could get to Jalen Brunson's level, not necessarily offensively, but considering his overall impact? Mm. Mm. So so that is borderline all-star-ish. Yeah, I don't know what that works out to be like in wind shares or EPM or any of those certain uh, certain, uh, advanced analytics. Where are you at, XJ? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, is it fair to say, you know, like a borderline all-star type player, you know, if things break right, right season where you don't have a ton of competition, you get into an all-star, all-star game that level, because I think that's where Brunson was last year, where I certainly he had a great case for an all-star appearance. Um, and I think if the, if the all-star team was selected like a month later, he would have definitely he, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe like a you know a guy that makes uh, several All Star games over his over a career. Um, I would say I, I don't think his ceiling is is that personally. Um, I think it is close to what he his role is now, with the caveat that there's a jump either athletically or in terms of his ball handling ability and just overall like there's something changes within his game and he becomes a true elite shooter or he is a his ball handling gets to the point where he is you know he's more dynamic getting towards the basket um if one of those things don't happen and he just get he just sort of incrementally improves in some areas you know i think he's probably a borderline starter great backup um you know perennial six man of the year candidate um that you would feel very comfortable starting games for you. And, you know, if all, all breaks right, you know, I would say like a, a good, maybe a good starter on a uh, quality team would be like where I would comfortably say like his realistic ceiling is right now. I think Kevin, this question is probably why there isn't an extension side because mm-hmm. I think it's a really hard question. I, and I imagine that his representation is saying, 
Look at his impact metrics. He is just mm-hmm. as good as Jalen Brunson. He can be just as good as Jalen Brunson, if not better. And I bet Leon Rose and co are saying what DJ just said. And I really believe that there are good arguments on both sides. And it's a, to me, maybe the most fascinating question about the Knicks and his impact metrics. It, it's a fascinating question because it touches on a lot of things like what, how much stock do you put in those metrics? The fact that he's, been an elite impact player for three years. Every year he's been here. Um, everyone plays better when he's on the floor. Like there's no impact metric you can look at that doesn't say that he is that he that his ceiling should lie somewhere around an all-star, if not yeah. higher. Like yeah. the impact is what it is. Now is that should we should the should the should we stop there? And it depends on who you are and how inclined you are. Like, I think some of us at KFS, I, this is why I love this community. I think XJ and some, like, I think they, they basically, like, they look at those numbers and they say, well, that is what he's worth. I don't think that's wrong. No. Not necessarily not. how I'm inclined to think. And when I watch him, DJ, when mm-hmm. I watch him, I, I line up more when you are a camp where it's like, I see a player who is this impactful because he is playing the perfect role for himself. Like, I think he is in the perfect spot where he can lead second units, but he always has ball handling help with him, where he can have the room to play against backups, be more free flowing um, to lead those units. I think the ability, his, the, the, the value is that, yeah, then he can slot in with your stars and play a bit more off ball and still be extremely valuable. Um, his, his defense, both on ball is very good, off ball is elite. He's a mm-hmm. good rebounding guard. He does everything well. He does everything well, if nothing other than I think his off-ball defense, which I really think is elite. I don't think there's anything else that's necessarily elite about his game, but he does everything well. He'll never hurt you. Um, it's a great question, Kevin. I I line up more with DJ. I don't think he's going to make an all-star team in his career. Whether he, it, let's say he got traded, God forbid, let's say to Washington and got to like basically like run there. I don't know, whatever you could draw up the scenario where he got an opportunity to really lead yeah. a team the way Jalen Brunson's leading a team. I don't think he'd make an all-star team in that scenario. I am more than willing to be wrong about it. And I understand the people that disagree with me, but I, I think it's a fascinating question that I think is very much right now being debated and may result in him becoming a restricted free agent. Yeah. And I think if you're going to, if you're, if the Knicks pay him like a starter um, and, and those numbers are, there's that sticker shock um, idea where, you know, Devin Vassell signs that big extension. And obviously the, the Spurs are projecting a little, a lot more growth where he, he may not be your best offensive player, but he is certain he, they, they, I assume think he's going to be like a, a comfortable number two borderline all-star at a, at a wing position with some size, you know, those guys are just going to be valued a little more. So I don't think quickly gets to that number, which I think was about 140. Um, but I had said during the offseason, you know, if he if the Knicks sign him four for a hundred, you know, I think that's completely in line with what he's worth. And I think if you sign him to that, I wouldn't necessarily think that that contract is immediately like uh, under, you know, I, I still think that's a valuable valuable contract amongst the NBA. I think you could trade that contract if you were to do that and feel comfortable you could get value from that and i think that you can maybe treat him like a starter even if he's not necessarily quote unquote a starter on your team um in terms of like how you value him i think it's completely reasonable to to pay him like a starter and though and starters are going to get 
that money. They're going to get money that is going to be, that was reserved five, six years ago for superstars, but the way the cap is, is rising. And this is just where the new, um, this is where the league is headed. And I, I feel like it's, you know, if it's four for 80, I think that's a great deal for the Knicks is if it's four for 90, maybe it's more like, uh, you know, split the difference, but I, you know, I don't necessarily begrudge his representatives for, you know, wanting a contract that's going to pay him like a really good starter because it's, it's easy to make that argument. It really is. But, um, I think for this roster with where they are with the point guard, they already have in tow. I just think he's, he's in a perfect spot for the Knicks, which may not ultimately be a perfect spot for Emmanuel Quickly's career, which is, as you alluded to, maybe where the issue is in terms of a lack of extension. Hey, Robert Cross. Robert. Hit it, DJ. Thank you so much for the contribution. Um, BTB and the ace. The ace. I love that. Glad to see the people that grasp the sport on here. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if that's a shot at... Who is everyone. that a shot at? Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. I love it. Can you break down on how Mitch is the God man? <laughs> Thanks. 53, hashtag 53 wins. Uh, is that Mitch is the God? There a comma there uh, missing? The is he calling you man or me? He is the God man. I believe he's asking is explain how Mitch is the God man. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a space. There's a space. I feel like if, if that was his nickname, it would be one word and you'd capitalize the G. Maybe the space is the typo, not the lack of comma there. (laughs) Well, that's true. That's true. Like Batman. God, right. Why don't we treat the question uh, feels as good if he was he he he's referring to Mitch as the God Man because he is that high on on Mitch, which, which I am pretty sure Robert is. Um, uh, just you know, using the evidence of his responses to some of my uh, uh, tweets and breakdowns, uh, I think he is a big fan of Mitch. So maybe he he refers to Mitch as the God Man, which is <laughs> you know, Mitch is great. I love Mitch. Um, I can talk. I can literally uh, talk about Mitch all day, every day. Um, I find him <laughs> endlessly fascinating as a uh, person, as a character, as a basketball player. I adore him. Um, I love that he's going to be uh, a Nick for the foreseeable future. I love his the contract he signed. I just, I love watching him. Um, he's the God man because he is an absolute. <laughs> Anchor for it, this defense that has already <laughs> that we have already talked about is devoid of a lot of defensive talent. He cleans up a lot of messes. I feel like him and uh, he and Grimes provide as good a duo in terms of point of attack and drop uh, defense. Um, Mitch is a god man because <laughs> I feel like his impact off the court goes um maybe a little underrated i feel like he you need that loose personality that that character that the guy that is going to keep things maybe a little more jovial when things get a little tight um especially with the head coach and maybe some you know you know persnickety um attitudes on this team you know in terms of uh, some star players i feel like having mitch to sort of break the ice and just you know be who he is is important 
That's why Mitch is the God, man. I mean, there are, I could go on and on. I know we can't do this all night, but if you wanted to give me the next hour to wax poetic about the God, man, I will do that um, without any hesitation. Mitch, Mitch is the God, man, man. Mitch, the father, Mitch, the son. Oh man. Mitch, the blockness monster. He's the uh, God, man. I'm there crying, you go. I'm crying. I'm crying. Thank you, Robert, for I the contribution. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Um, God, two, man. God, man. God, Remember Birdman? <laughs> he was like, Birdman, Birdman. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have two left. One, well, man, I didn't get the answer. I didn't get the Benji, answer. Benji, uh, DJ so sincerely answered <laughs> a Robert Qua- a cross question that I, I don't think we need to expand. Any further? Um, I couldn't if I tried. Okay. The, the first question is a super chat from Anthony Strano. It's an asked and answered. Um, hey guys, I know it's only preseason, but how'd you feel about Sims at the four? Spacing didn't look great, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else. We this was covered earlier in the show, Anthony. If you want to go back and yes, rewind, Anthony, it was covered in in great detail. I, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay. I think it was good to work on it. I think there are things they can do to make it better. I think it's not going to be a massive feature of their team. And I think that it's okay to experiment with it. And then the last question. <sighs> I'm but not with the God man. Not with the God man. No, not, not with Sims next to because God man takes up probably the four and the four. He's, <laughs> he's holy enough for multiple <laughs> ro- rotation spots. Um, thank you, Anthony, though, for the contribution. Yes, we thank appreciate you, it. Yes, thank you. And then last but not least, and I'll leave you guys to it. I like how you've come on the show to get it back on the rails, Andrew. Just I it. organized chaos. It's my thing. Yeah. I love it. Um, Sean! Last but not least, hey. Sean with a W. No, read it. I can't read it. All right. Read it. <laughs> Our guy, Sean, if and when uh, the Knicks get a superstar, no, despite it doesn't count, would the offense evolve or would it remain ISO heavy because Tibbs would have a true superstar to lean on? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Mm. Sean, well, I love you right. came on with us instead of hanging up. But all right. Yes. You're always, you're always welcomed. Always welcome. Um, so I obviously it depends a lot on who that mm. um, player is. And so throughout a name, are we thinking like uh, just to sort of have someone to chew on a little bit, an Embiid uh, type? Uh, you know, would there be an evolving off? I mean, it would be a different offense because, you know, I think that you know, if you watch some of those, Bulls teams, you know, especially after, you know, Rose got hurt. I mean, he transformed that offense to a Noah uh, mm-hmm. led high post mm-hmm. um, or just, uh, you know, sort of ran that offense through him. So he is, he is more than willing and has shown the ability to adapt based on the personnel. I don't think he is, you know, so obviously like gung ho on what his, this style is. I mean, if you keep Brunson in here and you're bringing in an Embiid, it'll still be a lot of, ISO there um, there's just going to be a lot more post-ups and maybe that generates a little more of the swing swing and more ball movement out of the impact that a great post player will sort of um, give you. Um, If it's like a a Paul George type guy, I think it will be a lot of the same because I I just don't, you know, I don't know if he is attainable or he's even at the level that uh, Sean, you're, you're considering for a, you know, true superstar. Um, But it just seems like he would be a lot more of that, you know, add additive to what they were already doing, not necessarily revamping an offense. Um, I don't necessarily there, you know, if it's a 
the honest train is coming on. Um, and bead seems like the guy that if we're going to consider a guy down the line, seems like the most likely. Feels- <laughs> Sorry. I, I can't stop thinking about God, man. I'm dying. I'm trying to stay serious. Uh, it's been a long week i'm sorry i mean robert um completely (laughs) kneecapping the the program with his question there was a space (laughs) i can't get over the space (laughs) oh man i'm sorry continue continue i'm gonna mute myself Um, yeah you gotta get you gotta get it together here um give me all right so let me let me ask you this who is a in terms of an attainable superstar, is there a guy that you can like bring in here that would sort of change the offense? I mean, I feel like there's you can Steph. Yes, yeah, it would be a completely different. Um, yeah. So you, do you agree that this is necessary? This is Tibbs is maybe going to this style of ISO heavy offense because he has two really good ISO players, yeah, I, and it's going to work. I do. I do want to. I know it's, and I've said it. I've fallen into this as well. This idea that we kind of write off the offense as an ISO-heavy offense, I don't think is very fair to what they run. A lot of the ISOs are a result of team switching. So, when teams switch, a lot of times the only option to be to switch is to attack the mismatch. If a Randall and Brunson have a screen roll, which they do a lot, and teams switch it because they're scared to not switch it um, for whatever reason, then you're going to get Randall against a mismatch. You're going to get Brunson against a big. So, like, yes, it turns into ISO, but it's not. It's pretty rare that the Knicks literally just run in isolation. Sometimes for Julius on the block, pretty rarely. It's not, it, it usually comes after a pick and roll that doesn't yield anything other than a switch. So I do want to say that. I think it's important to note. Um, that said, there are things that Tibbs is never going to be an advanced offensive coach. He's never going to be particularly creative um, in terms of like running like multifaceted, a lot of heavy movement kind of offenses. Like, yes, he did transform that Chicago offense to a kind of a high post run offense. He's capable of doing that. He's a smart coach. But like, it's just not, he's not innovative on the offensive end. And I think the offense could evolve depending on who it was. Like you say, DJ, I just don't think, I, I, I think the question for Tibbs that he has to answer, and if he gets the chance to, is if he does get that really top end talent, can he create an offense that will thrive in the playoffs? Um, I think that is a that is the fair question to ask about Tom Thibodeau, and I am skeptical, but I'm not giving up because I I there's a lot of good in that coach. Um, that's kind of where I come out on it. I don't. I hope I answered your question, Sean. But yeah, and I would just say that, just, on that DJ. Well, I just looked it up. I mean, Rand, the Knicks shot 42 percent off Randall ISOs from three, which is a really good number, and it kind of just he does command attention and yeah. I know that you know there's a you know whether it's rankings in the offseason I think Randall is like getting to the point where he is extremely underrated they're both I feel look, like Brunson and Randall are both really good ISO players there's there's a really there's good. just there's justification to running a lot of whether it's isolation or isolation off a of pick and roll there's mm-hmm. there's justification to playing a lot of one-on-one ball with two really good one-on-one players 
And and exactly. And I think Randall specifically, he commands a, a lot of attention in terms of bodies going at him. And it's up to him then to make the the right reads and the right passes. But it is the Knicks typically get decent stuff out of it. And I know in the playoffs is when things get really bogged down and there's an open-ended question regarding how he can handle that sort of attention. But in the regular season, at least, when teams send bodies at Randall, he has done a decent job of moving it. And when he does, the Knicks typically get a good look out of it. So there, it is not just, and I know this is not what Sean is saying. Um, there's, there seems to be a, an idea out there that the Knicks run this offense and they get really bad shots out of it. And it usually ends up with like poor attempts. I think that's a little bit too simplistic. I think they can get really good looks out of it because they have two good players that are, that just, especially Randall, as I mentioned, just command um, a lot of attention. Totally agree. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Please like and subscribe to this channel if you enjoy what you're listening to. And um, if you're listening to a podcast later, leave a five-star review for us. We'd very, very much appreciate it. Be kind. Be compassionate to one another. Check in on people um, that may need it. That is, uh, That's going to go a long way. So thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.